What is baptism? In simple terms, being baptized is like putting on a wedding ring. It's a response to a loved one and an outward symbol of internal commitment. Baptism is a way for us to express a personal decision to believe and accept the salvation of God through Jesus Christ. Just as Christ was crucified and buried, we are immersed in water to symbolize the burial of our old ways. And again, just as Christ was raised from the dead, so we are raised out of the water, symbolizing our new life in Christ. The Apostle Paul says it this way, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Today we celebrate with people as they take their next step and tell the world how Jesus has changed their lives. celebration and opportunity to share with someone who has publicly made a decision to identify themselves and to follow Jesus Christ. And of course, that's what baptism is all about. And uh, today, we are actually finishing a series, as, as some of you might know, we started last week, that we've been calling Going Public. And this series really is all about um, the practice, and it's all about kind of the topic of baptism. And one of the reasons we want to do this series really is we said, man, this is one of those topics that is just really loaded. Um, and there are so many different opinions and so many different thoughts about baptism. And depending on who you are and how you grew up, uh, my guess is that we have uh, as many different opinions about baptism represented in this room as there may even be people. And there's just all different types of ideas and all different types of thoughts about it. And really, it's because of that, that this is a kind of a complex and a little bit of a confusing topic. And so my guess is that for some of you who maybe kind of grew up in the church background, if you were kind of grew up in a religious household, regardless of what background you have, my guess is that the picture and your opinion about baptism um, is probably something that's mostly molded by the tradition that you grew up in. And so I don't know how you grew up, but maybe, you know, you guys did baptism one certain way and it, all the different denominations and all the different churches practice baptism in different ways. And so my guess is that some of your opinion about baptism is molded by the tradition you grew up in. And so that can make it complex because a lot of us come from different backgrounds. Um, some of you, maybe quite honestly, um, you kind of grew up in a, in a situation where you came from no faith background. And so you didn't grow up in a church, you didn't grow up with a religious background, and maybe just recently you started investigating Jesus, maybe for some of you just recently, uh, you began to make a decision to follow Christ. And quite honestly, baptism is just, it's bizarre. It's just a bizarre thing. And you're like, man, it doesn't really make any sense. Why is it that when a person makes a decision to follow Jesus that we want him to get dunked in water? Like, what is that all about? And quite honestly, for some of you, if you're just being honest, you know, you're, you're kind of still investigating Jesus. and You're not really sure what you think about this whole thing. And so you've been coming out to Grace here and you've been hearing us on the weekends. And maybe, you know, there's some weeks you come and you're like, man, that was a really good week and I got a lot out of that message. And man, I'm, I was really tracking with that. And maybe there's other weeks that you come and you're like, man, I don't really know if I believe that. Or I don't know if I buy into all that. And these people are really, really weird, right? And this, this might be one of those weeks because we're talking about baptism. And for some of you, you're like, man, doesn't that just seem like such an ancient ritual? Doesn't that just seem like kind of a cultish, regressive, archaic thing that they did back in the 
first century. I mean, like, why are we still doing that in the 21st century? Right? It just seems like a kind of a stale religious practice and kind of cultish, if you were to be really, really honest. And the reason we're doing this series is because we want to take some of that complexity and confusion surrounding baptism. We want to kind of demystify it a little bit. And we want to look at the Bible together and we want to talk about, man, why is this so important? and really kind of get at the heart of that. And so if you guys are with us last week, Pastor Seth began this series and he did a phenomenal job of kind of just taking us through the Bible. And what he did was he painted a picture for us, kind of a comprehensive picture of what baptism is really all about. We talked about the meaning of baptism. We talked about the significance of baptism. And he really kind of gave us a full picture of what the Bible teaches about baptism. And once again, I'll just say that if you missed last week, um, I would really, really encourage you to go either onto our website or download our podcast and check that out. Um, A lot of questions that you might have about baptism, Pastor Seth did a phenomenal job of answering. But just as a way of recap, If you did miss last week, let me just talk about two things specifically that we learned last week from Pastor Seth. So here's what we learned as a point of recap. First thing is this. We learned that baptism, Pastor Seth told us, is the first step in following Jesus. And so we looked at some Bible verses and we found out that the first step that a person takes when they begin to follow Jesus according to scripture is that they become baptized. That is the first step of obedience for anyone who has put their faith in Jesus Christ. And so Pastor Seth showed us that, kind of unpacked that for us. The second thing that we looked at together was this. We, we learned that baptism is a physical analogy of a profound spiritual reality. That, that baptism is a symbol. It's an outward symbol of a profound spiritual reality that's taken place in a person's life. And so Pastor Seth kind of showed us, and we just, we just saw in this video, that when a person decides to get baptized, that it is an outward symbol of an inward commitment that's taken place, an inward transformation that's taken place. That as a person is buried under the water, it is an act of symbolizing with the death of Jesus, believing that the death of Jesus has cleansed me from my sin. And then when I come out of the water, I come out cleansed and renewed. I'm associating with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And basically what I'm doing is I'm saying that his story is my story. I'm identifying myself with Jesus Christ. Now, if anything I just said right there is confusing or you're looking for more information on that, I would really encourage you to check out Seth's message. Um, He did a phenomenal job of just unpacking that for us, the meaning and the significance of baptism. What I want to do this week, this final week as we close this series, is Pastor Seth talked about the meaning and the significance of baptism. He looked at kind of a comprehensive picture of that in the Bible. What I want to do this week is I want to talk a little bit more about the heart of baptism, the heart of baptism. Why is it so important that those who follow Jesus get baptized, right? And for some of you this morning, that might be a question that you're asking. And maybe for you, you're a person who has put your faith in Christ recently, or maybe you put your faith in Christ a long time ago, but you have never taken this step of baptism. And it's something that's in the back of your mind that you're always thinking about. Like, man, I ought to do that. I should do that. But I don't understand it. And I'm not really sure the best way to do that. And I really wish I could understand a little bit more about baptism. Why is it so important? And what's the big deal? And today what I want to do is I really want to unpack that. I want to talk about the heart of baptism. Why is it so important that if you have decided to follow Jesus Christ, that you be baptized. What's that all about? Okay, so today as we talk about the heart, I want to just look at uh, one passage of scripture, one very familiar passage of scripture. And so if you have your Bibles, if you take them with me, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 28. Okay, Matthew chapter 28. And uh, let me just say that if you did not bring a Bible with you this morning, no problem at all. We actually have some Bibles for you. Um, They should be in those chairs there in front of you. And you can just go ahead and flip your Bibles, Matthew 28, which is going to be found on page 698. 
and those Bibles that we have laid out there for you, okay? Uh, page 698, Matthew 28. So you can go ahead and get there. If you want to use your phone or your tablet, however you want to get there, go ahead and get there. Matthew chapter 28. Okay, so it is my assumption that most of us in this room, um, probably all of us in this room, have certain um, preferences, have certain opinions, we have certain convictions um, that we have privately, but we are reluctant to share them publicly. All right, that's my, my assumption. I believe it's true. I know it's true of me. My guess is that it's probably true of everybody, that there are certain things that we have, certain opinions, certain perspectives, um, certain convictions, certain beliefs that we have privately that we are reluctant to share publicly. And there could be a lot of reasons for that. For some of us, we, we're afraid to do that because we're afraid of what other people might think of us. For some of us, we're afraid to share those things because we're afraid of being misunderstood or being pigeonholed. And so we, rather than sharing those convictions or sharing those beliefs or sharing those preferences, we just decide to keep it to ourselves. So let me give you an example of this, kind of a silly example. But when I think about this idea of having something privately and not wanting to share it publicly, uh, one, of the, one of the examples that comes to my mind is from when I was in middle school. So when I was in middle school and early in high school, I think about a, a specific time in my life. So if you guys know me, one of the things that you'll learn about me pretty quickly is that I, I am one of those people who just loves, loves, loves music. Love music. Have always loved music. I, I'm always listening to music. So if I'm in my car, I'm listening to music. If I'm at work, I have music on in the background. If I'm working out, I have music. I just love music. And not just one type of music. I love all types of music. And so I, I've, I really appreciate different genres and different styles. And I just, I just really like music a lot. And I've always been that way. But when I was in middle school and when I was in early in high school, my preferences in music were much more narrow. And, and the reason for that, if I was just being totally honest, is because when I was in middle school and early in high school, and I don't know if it was like this for you, my guess is it probably was, but it was like this for me, was in middle school and high school, you had to be so careful with what you identified yourself with. Because it seemed like, at least for me, in that season of life, what you identified yourself became your identity. And so, for example, back when I was in middle school and high school, if you played sports, you weren't just a person who played sports. You were a jock, like that was your identity, right? That's what you were. If you played in the band, you weren't just a person who played in the band. You were a band person. And there was a whole stereotype that kind of went along with that, right? If, if you sat with a certain group of people in the cafeteria, it wasn't just the people you were hanging out with, that was you. That was now your identity. Now I know that as we get older, that still continues to happen to some extent, but it seems like at that stage in life when you're trying to figure out who you are, man, it just seems like it's so prevalent during that season of life. So, so for me, when I was in middle school and early in high school, I hung out with a group of guys that we associated ourselves by the type of music that we listened to, right? That was sort of our identity. And so the music that we listened to was primarily hard rock and heavy metal. I mean, it's just the way it was. And so we were listening all the time to Metallica and Mega Death and other wholesome family bands with names like that. Um, we, I, you know, and of course the classics, Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, all that kind of stuff. And that was like what we listened to. And I actually had, I had a, a good amount of t-shirts that had those band names on them and I would proudly wear them to school, right? Because I wanted to associate myself with that, now you guys know, at least back in that time it was, that, that, that wearing that, that band logo carried a certain stereotype along with it. 
And that stereotype was usually one of, if you wear that shirt, you're probably a person who's kind of, you know, a little bit on the rebellious side. Um, you're probably a person who's kind of tough, kind of has an I don't care attitude. And for whatever reason, my friends and I didn't mind having that stereotype. Right? We liked being associated that way. It was sort of where we find our identity. For better or worse, that's just the way it was when I was in middle school and high school. Now, I remember very distinctly when I was, I believe I was a freshman in high school. I was in homeroom, and something unique happened. I was sitting down, and I was probably sporting a Metallica shirt or something, and we were watching um, this, this uh, video announcement thing in homeroom. And as we were watching the video announcements, there was a song that came on in the background. And I remember I heard it, and I thought, oh my goodness, that is such a catchy song. And I was like, I really like that song. And it got stuck in my head. And the rest of the day, I was like, oh man, that is such a good song. It's so catchy. And I realized, man, I gotta figure out what this is. And so I did a little research and I found out who the song was and who it was by. And it was a song that was by the music group, and I don't know if you guys remember these guys, called Aqua. Does anyone remember Aqua? They were, if you don't know anything about Aqua, don't look them up, it's not worth it. But basically, Aqua was a group that was a dancey, teeny bop band that was known for songs such as Roses Are Red and Barbie Girl. All right, that's what they were known for. And so I heard this song and I was like, it's so catchy. And I realized, oh my goodness, I like Aqua. And there was a problem. A problem was if my friends found out I like Aqua, man, that was grounds for excommunication among my friend group, right? And so I realized I can't tell anybody but I really liked them. And so I remember I went to the record store back when there was record stores. And I went in and I made sure no one was watching, you know. And I went and I got an Aqua CD. And I went to the checkout guy. And he's like, is this for you? And I'm like, no, you know, this is for my sister or something. And I, and I bought the Aqua CD. And then I would go and privately listen to Aqua. And I just, I'm like, my friends can never find out that I like Aqua. In fact, I remember one night my one buddy and I were hanging out, probably listening to, you know, some kind of heavy metal band or something. And I, and I felt the need to confess this to him. It was one of those transparent moments. And so I said, dude, I gotta tell you something. It's like, I'm just gonna be honest with you. We, not, we might not be friends after this. And he's like, what happened? Did you kill someone? I was like, nah, man, it's worse. I was like, um, it's like, I gotta confess it to you, buddy. I'm like, I like aqua. And my friend goes, seriously? And I was like, yeah. And my buddy goes, me too. And, and we started to, to, to compare our favorite Aqua songs. Then we said, we will never talk about this ever again, never speak of it again, and those type of things. And that, you know, that's a silly example of, of, of the point I'm trying to make, but here's what I believe. I believe that all of us probably have something like that. We all have a, a preference, an opinion, um, a conviction, a belief that we have privately, personally, but we are reluctant to share it publicly, either because we're afraid of what other people are gonna think of us, or we're, we're afraid of the stereotype that comes with it, or we're, we're afraid of being misunderstood or being pigeonholed, and so rather than sharing that, we decide to keep it private. Now, I'm joking around about the music thing, but there's several areas of life that we do this in. So for some of you right now, for example, maybe you have a strong conviction about something that is very controversial. You have a very, very, very strong conviction about something, and it's very controversial in our society right now. And because of that, you have decided, you know what, I, I'm going to be reluctant about how I share that. 
I'm not going to go on, on Facebook and publicize that to everyone. I'm going to be careful about who I talk to about that because, honestly, I don't want to create controversy. I don't want to be pigeonholed. I don't want to be misunderstood. I don't want to be associated and stereotyped in these ways. There's whole other friends that I have that are probably not going to associate with me anymore if I identify myself that way. And so I'm going to keep it a private matter, right? And some of us have that. A lot of us have this politically. Some of us in this room, we have very, very, very strong political opinions. And they not only determine the way that we interact with society, but they also uh, influence the way that we vote in a very serious way. But we are very cautious about who we share those things with, right? We don't, we don't publicize that openly, but instead we're reluctant and we want to keep it private because, man, we know that if we spoke up about that, that, that someone's going to maybe stereotype me or pigeonhole me or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to alienate myself from this whole friend group. And so as a result of that, to keep the peace, I'm just going to keep it personal. I'm going to keep it quiet and I'm going to keep it private. Now, here's what I want to say about that. I do not in any way think that that is a bad thing. Not at all. As a matter of fact, I think that there can be a lot of wisdom in that. That, that if you're a person that says, man, I want to discern um, how and who and when and, and, and those type of things, how I share my opinions about things, my preferences, I think there can be a lot of wisdom in doing that. Now, here's where the tension comes. Okay? The tension comes when we begin to take that same mentality, and for those of us who follow Jesus Christ, we begin to apply it to the way that we interact with our relationship with Jesus. It's because the truth is there probably are some of us today who would say that, man, I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I have put my faith in Jesus Christ. I have kind of staked my claim in him. And so I want him to be the one that defines and directs my life. And I, 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 I'm a Christian, right? There's many of us that would say that. But if you really looked at your relationship with Jesus, for some of us, honestly, it's a private relationship. And so you have a strong faith on Sunday morning when we're here together, and you have a strong faith when you're by yourself, but, but you, maybe for you, you're afraid of taking that public because you're afraid that if you identified yourself with Jesus, that you might alienate some of the people you hang out with, that some of your friends and your family might misunderstand you. For some of you, you're afraid to, 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 to make that a public decision because you're not sure that people are going to, you're afraid they might pigeonhole you in some way in a category that you don't want to be pigeonholed in. Because let's face it, when you see the name of Jesus, there's all types of stereotypes that come with it. And we don't always want to identify ourselves with all those stereotypes. And so why don't I just keep it private? And I know that if I was to speak openly about my faith, that it might cause controversy. And so because of that, to keep the peace, I'm going to keep it private. It's a personal issue. It's a private issue. Now, now, here's the thing I have to say about that because there's some tension there. And the tension is this, is if you have that view on your faith with Christ, for those of us who follow Jesus, um, that sounds very civil and that sounds very peaceable. But the only problem is that is nowhere close to what the Bible puts forth and what the Bible teaches. If, that, if that's a, a conviction that you have, I would say that is a conviction that culture has taught us, but not a culture, not, not a conviction that Jesus himself has taught us. In fact, when you go to the Bible, one of the things that becomes evidently clear for those of us who follow Jesus Christ is that our faith in Jesus is certainly a personal matter, definitely. It is very, very, very personal. And though it's personal, it was never, ever intended to be private, ever. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that that personal relationship, Jesus desires for us to go public with that, that he wants us to identify ourselves with him publicly. Now, when I say taking that public, he wants us to go public, I don't mean 
post it on Facebook. Don't be the jerk on Facebook. I don't mean be arrogant and cocky and condescending and judgmental and belligerent. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is be open about it. Be open about my decision to follow Christ. I'm not hiding it. I'm not reserved about it. It's like 1 Peter says, in the book of 1 Peter, he says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. It's just saying, I'm not, I'm not embarrassed to tell you that I am associating myself with Jesus Christ. I'm not embarrassed, to, even though I know that people might misunderstand me and, and people might misrepresent me and they might pigeonhole me. It doesn't matter because I'm not ashamed to, to bear the name. I'm not ashamed to associate myself with Jesus Christ. Some of you guys might, may have heard this verse in Luke chapter 12. Jesus says something so profound and so fascinating. And uh, in Luke chapter 12, here's what Jesus says. He says, I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge him before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me before others will disown me before the angels of God. And that's a heavy verse. But you see what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying, listen, my desire for you is that if you have made a, a personal decision to follow me, if that's your decision, it is very personal, but it's never intended to be private. I want you to publicly acknowledge that relationship with me. And for some of us, we read that verse and it seems a little bit hard. So let me, let me just kind of help us with that. I think that following Jesus honestly only really makes sense when you think about it in relational terms. I think that's where it makes the most sense. I want you to think about this in relational terms, right? So back when, um, when Jessica and I first started dating a long time ago, we kind of went official. We went official in our dating, Facebook official, even though this was before Facebook was a big thing. So whatever the equivalent of Facebook official was, when we went official and said we're boyfriend and girlfriend, I remember I was so excited to tell people that she was my girlfriend. For one thing, I knew my friends wouldn't believe me and, uh, and those type of things. But I was, like, I was like, oh, have you met Jess? Yeah, she's my, uh, she's my girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, she's with me, you know, and I would tell my, I was excited for her to meet my parents and those type of things, and I was just so proud to be associated with her, and then, of course, uh, we made a decision to get married, and, and so we decided to get married, and we made a public commitment before our friends and our family, and we said, man, we, we are in it now, for, we, are, we are in it to win it, we're together on this thing, and we're going to publicly confess that to one another, right? And, and we made a commitment that day. And Jessica changed her last name. She took on my name. And we are now associated with each other, right? Now, I want you to imagine with me for a moment how it would be interpreted by you and especially by Jessica if, when Jess and I were alone, imagine that I was always going out of my way to affirm her when we were by ourselves. And so we would get alone and I would say, I love you so much and I'm so committed to you and I, I just so value you and I so, I just, I absolutely adore you and I'm so proud of you. And I just, imagine if I spoke to her that way when we were private, but then when we were in public, the moment we got out in public, what if I totally changed my tune and I just totally avoided her and kind of kept it a secret part of my life. So imagine we pulled up to go to church or something, right? Like this morning and we pulled up and I was like, hey, why don't you just go ahead and go in first? And I'll, I'll follow in in about 10 minutes or something. And she's like, why? And I'm like, all right, just go ahead and do it. And so she goes in. And let's say that, that I, as I'm in the car, before I get out, I take off my wedding band, right? And I throw it in my pocket. And then I come, in, I come into the church then and I start talking to people. And I don't stand anywhere next to her. And let's say I'm talking to people. And as we're talking, um, they're asking me questions about my life. And I never mention that I'm married to Jessica, Imagine that. They're asking me all these questions. I never bring it up. And then let's say they just, they've just outright asked me, hey, are you married? And suppose that my answer is, well, I think that's kind of a secret issue. It's kind of a private issue. I think it's kind of a personal thing I'd rather not say. My Facebook status under marital status said none of your business, right? 
Now, how do you think, let me just ask you a question. How do you think that would be interpreted by Jessica? You think that she would have a lot of confidence in our relationship? You think she'd have a lot of confidence in my commitment to her? Well, no, of course not. And rightly so, right? You see, guys, this is, this is where baptism comes in. This is where this idea of baptism starts to enter in because what is baptism at its very heart? Baptism at its very, very heart, if you get down to it, it is not an issue of salvation. Seth talked about this last week. It's not like what, to be saved, you have to be baptized. The Bible's really clear on that. That's not the case. Baptism is not an issue of salvation. Baptism is an issue of identification. It's an issue of association. It's saying that I am making a public commitment. I am going public with my decision to follow Jesus Christ, right? That's really what it is. In fact, if you, uh, if you look for just a moment at the, at the passage that I had you turn to, I want you to look at Matthew 28 again, and I just wanna show you something Jesus says here I think is really fascinating. So in this verse, again, very, very famous passage, verse 18, it says, then Jesus came to them, to his disciples, and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So like Seth said last week, this is the passage where Jesus has just raised from the dead. Like he, he's just conquered death. And now he comes to his disciples and he commissions them. These are his last words before he ascends into heaven. And what does he say to him? He says, here's my commission. I want you guys to go and make disciples. And then he says, as those people begin to make decisions to follow me, the first step they need to take is they want them to be baptized. Make disciples and baptize them. But here's what I want you to notice because it says something really interesting. Jesus says, I want you to baptize them. And look at this. In the name of, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, that little phrase there, in the name of, is a very, very significant little phrase. Uh, most commentators agree about this. In fact, I've actually cited one commentator um, from Thayer's Greek Lexicon. Basically, what that means is Thayer's Greek Lexicon is a study on the meanings of words and phrases in the original language. And here's what Thayer's Greek Lexicon says about that statement, in the name. It says this, the name that's used here is used for everything which the name covers. Everything the thought or the feeling of which is roused in the mind by mentioning, hearing, remembering the name. And so you see what it's saying in this passage? It's saying that you and I, that when we make a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we become baptized in the name of. That is everything that comes along with the name. Everything that's associated with the name. All of the stereotypes, be them good or bad, all of the misunderstandings, all of those things, I am associating myself with the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. What is baptism? Here's what baptism is. It is me publicly associating myself with the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It is saying, I am now with Christ. I stand with him. And his name is my name, and I'm taking on his name. It's like when Jess and I got married, she changed her name from Bird to Lavigny, which, I mean, that is way harder to spell, right? And she did that. And why did she do that? Because that made us married? No, no, no. Because it was a public way of expressing something that had happened internally. Man, we are together now, and I bear your name. And everything that comes with that name, be it good or bad or stereotypical, everything that comes with that name, I am taking on to myself. I'm identifying myself with you now. 
And that's what baptism at its very, very heart is all about. It's the same as me wearing my favorite band's t-shirt. I'm not, I'm not afraid to go public and let you know that I'm associated with this band and all the stereotypes that come with that. I'll take them because, because I am bearing, I'm not ashamed to bear that name. It's the same as wearing a wedding band, right? This doesn't make me married, but it shows the world I am married and I'm committed to Jess, whether she's with me or not. Everyone knows it. I have it on my finger and I'm not ashamed to put this on my hand. In fact, I'm proud to put this on my hand. That's what baptism at its very heart is all about. It is the first step of public obedience to Jesus Christ. Now, there's many opportunities that come when a person follows Christ to continue to publicly express their faith in Christ. But the first step the Bible tells us we are to do is through baptism. And so Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, I want you to go out. I want you to tell other people about me. And then when other people put their faith in me and they make a decision to follow me, he says, the next thing I want them to do is I want them to be baptized. Every time a person makes a personal decision for Jesus Christ, in the Bible, it is always followed by a public display of that personal decision that was made. And from Matthew 28 forward, when you read the New Testament, you come to realize that the pattern of the New Testament over and over and over again is that when a person makes a personal decision to follow Christ, they make a personal commitment, it's always followed up by a public display of that commitment through baptism. So let me just show you what I'm talking about. In the book of Acts alone, there are over a dozen occasions where we see this pattern. Someone makes a decision to follow Christ and they go public and they get baptized. Let me just give you three examples. Like I said, there's over a dozen just in the book of Acts, but this is the pattern in the New Testament. So look at Acts chapter two, verse 41, for example. Here's what it says. Those who accepted his message, that's Peter. Peter was preaching the gospel. He basically was telling people about Jesus. Those who accepted his message, that is those who made a personal decision to believe in Christ, were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And so we see that the natural progression is someone makes a personal decision and then there's a public profession that takes place because of that personal decision. We see the same thing in Acts chapter 8, verse 12. The Bible tells us that Philip is preaching the gospel in a place called Samaria, I want you to notice, but when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God, they put their personal faith, their personal trust in Jesus and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. It's the pattern of the New Testament. We see it all over the place. One more, one more, Acts chapter 16. There's a jailer that we're told that is in a place where he's in a hard place and he's uh, fearful for his life. And so he goes to the disciples and it says he brought out the disciples and he asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Now notice they didn't say be baptized and you'll be saved. They said believe and you'll be saved. But then watch what happens. Believe and you'll be saved, you and your household. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in the house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and he washed their wounds. And then immediately he and his household were baptized. You see that? I'm just telling you, this is one of over a dozen examples in the book of Acts. It shows up over and over and over again in the New Testament, the pattern of the Bible is someone puts their personal faith in Christ, it is followed up almost immediately with a public declaration of that. They go public, right? They go public with that decision to follow Christ. So, so, the, so this is really the question. Some of you are like, all right, so what does that have to do with us? What does that mean for you and I today as we talk about baptism, right? And my guess is for some of you, as, as Seth was talking last week and as I'm talking this week, you might be thinking to yourself, man, do I need to get baptized? 
I think I might need to get baptized. So how do I know? And so here's the question. Who needs to be baptized? Well, we would say this at Grace Church. We would say anyone who has made a personal commitment to follow Jesus Christ, okay, anyone who basically says, I've accepted God's grace. Some of you have been with us as we did the This Is Grace series, and maybe you've embraced grace for the first time. Uh, if you're a person that would say, man, I have, I have dedicated my life to follow Jesus Christ. I believe he has forgiven me. I believe that he is God. I've put my trust and my faith in him. If you're a person that has made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ, listen, you need to be baptized. If you have not been baptized, you need to be baptized. I know some people are like, but I don't know if I'm ready to be baptized. Listen, the pattern of the Bible is if you believe, you're baptized. So like, I don't know if I'm ready. Do you believe? Have you put your faith in Christ? You're ready. There's not much more you need. You don't need to wait for the Holy Spirit to descend like a dove or anything like that. Nothing mystical or strange can happen. It's a public profession of an inward commitment that you've made to follow Jesus Christ. Now, some of you might be going, all right, okay, I hear what you're saying. But what if, what if I was baptized like a long time ago? Like maybe I was a baby and I was baptized or maybe like I was a kid and I was baptized or I was like a teenager or something. But I didn't really know what I was doing. Right? Obviously, I was a baby. I didn't know what I was doing. Or I was a kid. I didn't know what I was doing. But I got baptized. But since then, I've actually made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Like, I have put my stake in the ground. I'm like, I'm going to follow Christ. Like, so, so does that mean I got to, like, do I got to get baptized again? Is that what I need to do? And is that how that works? And we would say this, keeping with the pattern of the New Testament, if you have not been baptized as a personal declaration of that decision that you made to follow Jesus Christ, you need to be baptized. Right? In keeping with what we see in scripture and keeping what Jesus Christ has commanded to us in Matthew chapter 28 it is the first step of obedience for all of us who follow Christ to be baptized. Now, some of you might be wondering about that whole thing too about, well, what about, what about baby baptism, right? And maybe you kind of grew up in a church where, where they would baptize infants. They call that, the theological term is pedo-baptism. I don't know why they have to use a big word like that, just baby baptism. But, but a, lot of, uh, cult, a lot of different uh, religions and denominations practice baby baptism. So where does that come from? Uh, some of you grew up in a tradition like that. I grew up in a tradition like that. I was baptized as a baby. And so, and so what is that all about? Where does that come from? Well, I can tell you that the religions and the denominations that practice pedo-baptism, the baptism of babies, they do so based on something that they call sacred tradition. Okay? And basically, sacred tradition is saying this is a tradition that's been handed down from us from other people in the past. Um, we at Grace Church do not accept sacred tradition as a form of authority. We accept the Bible as authority. And so when you go into the Bible and you look at it, you will never once, never once find the idea of baby baptism. Never. You will never see it commanded. You will never see it practiced. In fact, we believe that while it's not necessarily, you know, if you've been baptized as a baby, it's not like it's a bad thing. It's just not a biblical thing. Because biblically, baptism is always a public expression that comes from a personal decision to follow Christ. And we don't believe that babies necessarily have the capacity to make that decision. So one of the things that we do here at Grace Church, instead of pedo-baptism, baby baptism, is we do child dedication. And child dedication is basically us saying that the parents and the congregation of our church are going to dedicate ourselves. It's not dedicating the baby. It's dedicating ourselves to doing everything that we can to help raise this child in the ways of the Lord. That's what, baby de that's what our baby dedications, our child dedications are all about. Now, one of the questions we also get sometimes here at Grace is, so... Um, how old do you need to be to be baptized, right? Like, is there an age restriction on that? Like, how does that work? And we would say this. We would say that there's no magical age, 
It's not like when you're 11, you can't make a decision, and when you're 12, you can. And we don't believe that. We just believe, man, it's on a personal basis. It just depends for each person. And I know that in this room, um, there are some of us who made a decision to follow Christ later. So I, I began following Christ when I was 17. I didn't really understand the gospel until it took, it took till then before I finally accepted Christ and accepted the gospel. But for some of you, that's not your story. For some of you, you put your faith in Jesus when you were a child, when you were at a young age, when you were six or seven years old, and you knew what you were doing. You knew that that was, a, that was an outward profession of this inward faith that you had, and it was a legitimate thing. And so here's what we encourage here at Grace Church. We encourage that if you have a child who's expressing interest in getting baptized, we really rely on the parents to have that conversation. And so we trust our parents to sit down and capitalize on that opportunity to say, man, I'm really, I'm really excited that you want to take that step. Why don't we sit down and go through some Bible verses and let's talk about what baptism is all about and try to talk to your child in a way to kind of, kind of gauge whether or not they fully understand the decision they're making or not, right? And let me just say that if you're a parent and you're navigating those conversations with your kids and you would like help, if you're like, man, is there some Bible verses you can give us or can, can someone from staff come and sit down with us? And that, man, we'd love to have that conversation because it's an awesome thing. It's an awesome thing. But the bottom line is this. We believe that baptism is a, is a public association with Christ. And it is the first step of obedience that each one of us takes as a result of a personal decision that we've made to follow Jesus. All right? Now, for some of you, even as we're talking about this, we're having this conversation, you in your mind are thinking, man, I got to get baptized, but there's, maybe there's still some, some reasons why you don't want to be baptized and those type of things. And maybe you're thinking this, maybe you're thinking, man, why is this such a big deal? Seriously, what's the big deal, right? Uh, why are we taking a whole series, these couple of weeks, to talk about baptism? Why are we pushing this? Why is it, why is it such a big deal? And as I said earlier, um, not only is baptism an act of identification, and that's why it's important, but really, and I would say even more, more importantly than that, the reason this is such an important conversation and the reason that we're spending so much time on this and we're taking time to explain it the best that we know how is because really, foundationally, this is an issue of obedience. It's not just an issue of identification, it's also an issue of obedience to Jesus Christ. If you guys look back at Matthew chapter 28 again, I want to show you something real quick in there that I think is really important. Matthew chapter 28, Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Verse 20, he says, I want you to teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And I want you to notice something else Jesus says in this. He says, I want you to teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Jesus looks at his disciples. He says, I want you to go make disciples. And then he says, and then I want you to baptize them and I want you to teach everyone who follows Jesus to obey everything that I have commanded them. And listen, you guys, this is a major heartbeat behind baptism. And honestly, this is one of the major heartbeats behind our church. Look, just, just being completely outright with you, what is it that we really want for you? What is it that Grace Church that we really desire for you? And I'll tell you what it is. What we desire for you more than anything in this world is that you would grow in your love and your obedience to Jesus Christ. That's what we want for you more than anything. Um, more than we want you to have a superior knowledge of the Bible and to have a full understanding of Christian doctrine, which we want. We do want that for you. But more than that, we want you to grow in your love 
in your obedience to Christ more than anything. More than we want you to be happy and rich and prosperous and have nice things in this life, which we don't care about that. But what do we want more than that? We want you to walk in obedience to Jesus. That's what we really desire. And part of what this passage says up here is it says that we need to teach them to obey everything that he's commanded. And part of that everything for us includes the act of baptism. It's something that Christ has asked us to do. It's something that he has asked us to obey him in, right? And that's the one thing we believe we want everyone to kind of grow in is this act of obedience to Christ. You guys, we genuinely believe this. We believe that the fullness of life that God desires for you and that, that the joy that God wants for you is only found through the pathway of faith and obedience in Jesus Christ. That as we obey him more and more and more and we grow in our love for him, that, that we will experience the things that God wants for us. Now that's not always comfortable and that's not always um, fun and it's, it's not always without pain, but it leads to the joy that God desires for us. And the thing we want for you more than anything is that you would grow in your love and your obedience for Jesus. John chapter 15, verse 14 says this. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. And I don't think Jesus says that as a condition. I think he says it as a natural outcropping. If you love me, the natural result is you will obey me. If you love me and you believe that I love you and you believe that I have your best interests in mind and you believe that if you follow me, I'm gonna lead you into the places that are the best for you, right? He's like, then you will obey my commandments. If you love me, then you will obey me. And one of the reasons, you guys, that we put so much emphasis on this idea of baptism is because it's not just an issue of identification. It's an issue of obedience to Jesus. And it's the first step that he asks us to make to go public with our faith and express that decision, that personal decision that we've made to go public with that decision. And one of the reasons I believe this is so important, you guys, is because this begins the pattern of what the Christian life is gonna look like from this point forward. And here's the pattern. I believe what God said, and now I'm gonna act on that in faith. I believe, I believe that he's my savior, and now I'm going to obey him and go public in baptism. And I believe that begins a pattern that's gonna be true for the rest of your Christian life. And here it is. I believe him, and so I act on it. I believe him, and so I do something about it. I take a step of faith. I believe him, and I go public with that. And I believe that that is the pattern of what it means to follow Christ. And Jesus says, the first time we do that, you make a decision for Jesus, and it begins here. You go public. You make a commitment. You say, I'm gonna identify myself with his name. I am going to bear the name of Jesus Christ. And I know that there's some people that are gonna look at me strange, and that there's some family members that are gonna pigeonhole me and misunderstand me. And I understand that some people are gonna think I'm now like a, like a weirdo because I've done that, but I don't care because I wanna go public with my decision to follow Christ and I wanna stand with him because he is the one who stood for me. And so listen, for some of you, your next step of obedience to Jesus Christ, for those of us who follow Christ, I know some of you in this room are still investigating that and you're not sure yet, and that's fine. But if you have made a, personal decision to follow Jesus Christ, for some of you, your next step in obedience to Jesus is that you need to be baptized. You haven't been baptized and you need to be baptized, right? And I just wanna let you know that if that is the next step you need to make, that we want to help you, we wanna partner with you, 
We want to enable you and we want to applaud you and champion you as you make that decision of obedience to Jesus. Every step of obedience that you make, we want to be on the front row of your cheering section telling you, yeah, man, you keep doing that. You keep obeying Christ because that's what we want for you more than anything else. And so for some of you, going public is what is your next step that you need to take. Now, I understand for some of us, when we, even when you think about that idea of getting baptized, you, maybe there's some things that are keeping you from it. For some of you, you're like, I'm just, I'm scared. I'm scared of what my friends are going to think. I'm scared of standing for Jesus. For some of you, you're like, honestly, I'm afraid of just getting up. I'm afraid of being in front of a bunch of people. I'm afraid of my hair getting wet in front of a crowd, honestly. You know, I'm afraid of my makeup running, and I'm a dude. You know, and, a, and you're like, that's a, for some of you, that's your fear. And, and look, I get it. I understand that, and that makes sense. But listen to me in this one. My prayer is that we would be a church, of, and myself too, that we would be a church of people that fear more disobeying Jesus than anything else in this life. My prayer is that we would be a group of people that desire obeying Christ more than we desire being comfortable, more than we, more than we fear humiliation, we desire to obey Christ. I pray that God will make us a group of people like that because can you imagine what God could do with a group of people who said, God, we desire more than anything, more than comfort, more than luxury. We desire to be obedient. Can you imagine what God could do with a group of people like that? And that starts here. It starts with baptism and taking a step to say, I'll obey, I'll follow, and I'll go that way. And so let me challenge you this way. If that's your next step, if you want to get out those connection cards, I dropped mine on the ground. If you want to get out your connection cards or in your program, let me just tell you about some next steps that you can take, all right? On the back of those connection cards, you will notice that there is a box that says, I want more information on going public and being baptized. It's a box on there. For some of you, if this is the next step that you need to take in obedience, we want to help you and we want to applaud you and cheer you on. I want to encourage you to do this. Check that box. The baskets are going to come around. Drop it in there. All right, and we'll collect that. And let me tell you what you're doing and what you're not doing when you check that box. What you're not doing is signing up to get baptized tomorrow. All right, so honestly, when you're checking that, we want to give you more information. And so for some of you, you might have more questions, you might have more thoughts, you might have more concerns, things we weren't able to address in this time here today, and that's fine. We'd love to have a personal conversation with you to talk it through, all right? But what you're doing when you're checking this box for some of you is you're saying, man, I need to take my next step. I need to take my step of obedience to Jesus and I need to be baptized. Because here at Grace Church, we believe that a major part of baptism is going public with your faith. One of the ways that we're starting to do that is right here during the weekend services. Shoot a video and get baptized here. We encourage people, invite out your friends, invite out your family because you wanna go public with that decision to follow Christ. So for some of you, it's a step of faith, but check that box and we'd love to follow up with you and we would love to help you to take that step if this is a step that you need to take. Jesus said, make disciples, baptize them, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And we wanna join with you in that, all right? The band's gonna come up and as they do, um, I just wanna close with one final thought. And I, I really believe this is a very, very important thought. So. Please hear me on this and please, please hear my heart on this too because I know that what I'm about to say might sound a little guilt trippy and that's not at all what I'm going for. That's not it at all. So please hear my heart because this is just true. 
You guys, if, if you're in a position right now where you think about baptism and it scares you or it intimidates you, or you're like, I don't want to be in front of people, or I'm afraid of what other people are going to think of me, or I'm not, I don't, I don't know if I want to associate myself with the name of Christ, it's going to be embarrassing or it's kind of a humiliating thing. Please hear me on this. Okay, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us that he humiliated himself, that he took on flesh. He left the luxuries of heaven and he dwelt among us. That's what the Bible tells us. And then the Bible tells us that he took on the cross, that he was stripped, that he was beaten, that he was crucified, humiliated. And why, why did Jesus suffer that humiliation? He could have stopped it. Why? The reason is because he was that committed to reconciling a relationship with us to him. He went to that length so that we could be associated with him. And you guys, I'm not, I'm not telling you that to be guilt trippy. Please hear me. I'm telling you that because I believe that when we understand that, and we get a hold of the gospel, that it, it provides a wellspring of thankfulness in my heart that I say to myself, man, you know what? This might be embarrassing. This might be humiliating. But man, Jesus Christ humiliated himself for me. And so I can humiliate myself for him. Jesus Christ stood for me. And so I can stand for him. And you guys, I believe that when we, when we understand the fullness of the gospel, it, it makes what was intimidating before and what was scary before, it makes it a point of delight. Delight because we know, man, we can identify with Christ because, man, Jesus did this for me and I can stand for Christ. I might be misunderstood. People might not understand me. They might pigeonhole me, but I don't care because I want to be associated with his name. I am his and he is mine and I don't care if the world knows it. I'm associating myself with Christ. And so for some of you, you need to take that step to be baptized. We want to help you with that and partner with you in that. Let's pray together. Well, Jesus, I'm so thankful that you've given us, um, you have given us a way that we can publicly profess ourselves as an act of obedience that we are identified with you in baptism. And uh, Lord, the truth is, baptism isn't the only way that we go public. In fact, it's the first way, but the rest of our lives are ones in which, uh, Father, you have asked us to live on our, our faith in a real way. God, for those of us who maybe right now are afraid to identify ourselves with you, we've made a decision to follow you, but we're reluctant to share that with family or with friends or with coworkers. God, we hide it, quite honestly. I pray you'd help us. Help us to identify ourselves with you. Jesus, you said that if we publicly acknowledge you before men, that you will publicly acknowledge us before your Father in heaven. And so, Jesus, I pray that you would help us to, to live out our faith in real time, not in a belligerent way, not in an arrogant way, not in an overbearing way, but in a real way, in an open way, in an authentic way. Man, Christ, you are our hope. You are our life. Everything rests on you. Jesus, I know that this decision for some folks that are in this room right now to get baptized is a difficult one. It's really outside of their comfort zone. It stretches them far. But Lord, I pray that you would give them the heart of obedience to say, I don't care. I don't care what others think. I don't care how humiliated. I want to stand with you. 
and anything that comes with it. And Father, I pray that you would help a person today who needs to make that decision. Give them the boldness and the faith and the confidence that they need to follow through with that. And Jesus, we love you and we realize that you have humiliated yourself for us, that you have went out of your way to humble yourself and to sacrifice yourself that we might be associated with you. And so I pray, Jesus, that we would in turn associate ourselves with you willingly, gladly, thankfully. And so, Lord, I pray that as we go from this place, you'd encourage our hearts. We pray these things in Jesus' name.